Um, I won't keep you long this morning. I've just got a, a short passage of scripture to bring to you. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 10 and it's starting at verse 19. And again, it's on the screen behind you. I've got various sizes of various writings today because I don't know what glasses I need or, or anything with the distance. So you may see glasses going on and off. We'll have to wait and see. But Hebrews 10 verse 19, the heading that is about these verses, the Bible says the call to persevere. But it reads, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching. It's a great passage, isn't it, of scripture that possibly most of us or all of us are familiar with. But if there was a little title that I wanted to put against these thoughts this morning, it would be the word together. Just something for me to remember, let, let alone you remember, but that is what I'd like to, to put against this uh, this morning. You know, Pastor Rob would, was with us last week, Pastor Rob Baldwin, and he um, spoke, he told us once again about the birth of the church, the early church. He went back to the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, and he went through various aspects and the model that they actually were as the early church, what it looked like. He mentioned that they were addicted or they addicted themselves to the church and they spent so much time together in the Apostles' Doctrine, in fellowship, in uh, breaking of bread and prayer. And I'm not going to go over the whole of his message from last week. But, you know, I'd started preparing this message even before he came. And again, you know, as, as God was speaking to me, it, there was an overwhelming sense of togetherness in the early church. No, even back in the Psalms, David wrote how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. For there the Lord commands or bestows his blessing. You know, when we start on this Christian journey, on this uh, Christian road that we're on, God never has intended us for us to do life on our own. You know, he's given us his Holy Spirit to work in each and every one of us, to give us power, to give us strength, to be witnesses. He's given us his holy power, a holy spirit, but he's also given us each other to do life together as well. You know, and if we look through the whole of the Bible, you know, there are many passages of scripture that we could look at this morning. But I love this one that I've already read because the writer to the Hebrews, he's not just giving instructions on commands on how to live the Christian life, but he's including himself in it as well. He's saying, let us, let us. Let us. So he's including himself in, in what he's hoping to achieve. You know, the book of Hebrews, the whole of the book of Hebrews was written, it was written to the Jewish Christians 
what that time it was written was going, we're going through extreme persecution. And the writer's fully aware that some could possibly be giving back and going back to the Jewish customs, the Jewish way of doing things, Judaism. No, but he's encouraging them, even at this difficult time that they are in, to persevere and find strength and purpose in being together to help them navigate the difficulties that they were experiencing. Now, this morning, I just want to look at three letters, okay, in this little passage. In some of the translation, you'll find more letters, is, but uh, we're just going to look at three that are found in this um, passage this morning that I want to look at for us to do life together. And the first one that I want to look at, we're going to read again, verses 19 to 22. It said, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So my first let us this morning is let us draw near to God. You know, in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He will come near to you. You know, there's a welcome in God's presence this morning. There's a welcome from God the Father himself when we come into his presence. Do you realize how privileged we all are, even here this morning, that we can come right into the presence of God? We can have open access individually and together 24-7, 365 days a year. You know, when we look at this passage, you know, the Pastor Rob used to say, before you start looking at it, before you start zooming in, you've got to zoom out. You've got to see what context the writer is writing, writing it in. And again, as a young, even a young person, I was told, you know, if there's a therefore there in the Bible, you've got to see what is there for. So you've got to take into account the scriptures before, before you come to what you want to look at. Now, if we read in the, even the chapter before, in Hebrews chapter 9 and early chapter 10, we reminded that previously, in uh, the way into God's presence under the old covenant was closed to ordinary people. You and I wouldn't have been able to go into that temple situation. You know, there was, if you think of the temple or the tabernacle, there were two main rooms. There was the holy place where the, 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 Priests went in daily to sacrifice and to minister and, and carry out their duties. Then there was another section that was called the Most Holy Place or the Holy of Holies. And that is where the high priest was only allowed to go in once a year. Must have sacrificed, they had to be bled, and he was only allowed into that where the Ark of the Covenant God, which signified the presence of God. But it was only once a year when person. But you know, as we've sang this morning and we've already read this morning, it says, brothers and sisters, we can have confidence this morning to enter the most holy place by what we've done, by who we are, by who we belong to. to No, there's only way, one way. And it says, by the blood of Jesus. You know, the, the, when Jesus died on the cross, we know the temple, the curtain, was torn apart from top to bottom, wasn't it? 
And Jesus was the way. Jesus is the, now the way for us to enter into that Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. You know, we can come into his presence. We don't need a physical building. In our home settings, wherever we are, as we turn to God, we can come right directly into his presence. And as Paul already said, you know, it says in some translations, we can have boldness or confidence. And that's not an arrogance or boldness. It's with, with, with reverence we come, that we can come confidently this morning. If we know Jesus as our saviour, we can stand in his presence, we can come before him in his righteousness, not in our righteousness. We can come directly into the presence of God where there are so many benefits for us individually and together. We can know God's protection this morning in his presence. We can know his provision in his presence this morning. We can know his purpose as we come into his presence. And thank God this morning we can know peace as we come into God's presence. God's presence is a place of communion and companionship. And we can enjoy that individually and together when we come in this morning. We are coming into the presence of God and what a privilege we have this morning. We can draw near to him. Now I'm short-sighted. I've got lenses in this morning, so you're all looking beautiful out there this morning. I can see you. But if I took my lenses out, I wouldn't have a chance. You'd all be a big blur, blur to me. But you know, when I, if I didn't have lenses in, as I come closer to you, then obviously you become clearer to me. Your image becomes clearer to me. And for perhaps many of us who have glasses, I am a bit of that awkward age, you know, I need glasses for reading, different ones to, to actually see in long, being long-sighted as well. But as I draw near to things, that image becomes clearer. And it's the same, you know, when we come into the presence of God, as we draw closer to him, as we come nearer to him, he reveals himself to us. We get a clearer picture of who God is. He reveals himself, a different aspect of, he doesn't change. God is the same. He's always been the same. He's the eternal one. But he continually reveals to us different aspects of his character, different things that we become new to us when we come into his presence. He brings clarity when we come into his presence. You know, that as, as well as seeing him clearer, sometimes he brings clarity to situations that we are in or we are going, so that we see things from his perspective. You know, in these days, I trust and we pray that we will have a, a, a greater experience of God's tangible presence when we come together as God's people in this place. You know, we all draw near as one body, when we, when whatever service is on here, we draw to, uh, draw near together as one body to worship, to praise, to love, adore. And it's an atmosphere that, that is then created that God can come and meet with each and every one of us. So my first point this morning is let us draw near to God. My second let us this morning is found in verse 23 and it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We are unfaithful. We are faithless half the time. But God is always faithful. It says unswervingly. is a big long word. You know, but as I said, some of the readers at the time would, would have let, read this letter to the Hebrews. They were tempted to give up their faith. They were tempted to give up the struggle and turn back to the form of Judaism. But the writer is telling them, look, hold on. Don't, don't give up the grasp. 
hold on and swiftly to the hope. In the New Living Translation, it says, tight, hold tight, without wavering. Or King, uh, New King James, it says, hold fast. There's very many ways of saying it. You know, when the children were little, or even when I was little with my parents, you know, when you were going and you were in the crowd of people, you used to catch their hand and say, hold tight. We don't want to lose you. Hold tight. Um, that's, so you didn't want to se- be separated from them. So you, you taught them and you held their hand fast and they held you as. No, so that's the time that where there could be separation. I don't know how many of you this morning have tried abseiling. No, neither of them. <laughs> not, not brave. We're brave this morning, but we're not brave, not brave enough. But you know, if somebody's climbing that wall or climbing back down that, that, um, rock face, they are holding tight onto that rope. They're not going to give it a leap all day. They are holding tight onto that. Or various situations. Perhaps you've ridden a bike. You've held tightly onto those hand, handlebars. I'm sure you can think of various situations you're in where you hold tight. And that's the type of picture that we have in here about holding and swerving me. The writer is saying, what, what is the writer hoping and swerving me onto? He's saying, let us hold and swerve to the hope we profess. Was the writer's hope in better times? Was the writer's hope in um, that the end of persecution would come? But his said, it says his hope was in God himself. And our hope is in God himself this morning. Our hope is in his word. Our hope is in his power. Our hope is in his promises. Our hope is in his character this morning, in his faithfulness. God is the only true source or source of true hope this morning. Can we get an amen on that? Yes. He is our only uh, source of hope, our true source of hope this morning. We sing, my hope is built on nothing else than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Again, back to Psalm 42, verse 5, it says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Hope in our circumstances, hope in resources. If you've got hope in people this morning, if you've got any hope in any political party, anything this morning, there's no guarantee on your hope. But you know, if our hope is in God alone this morning, we have nothing to fear. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You know, we have a picture of hope being an anchor. If you think about a boat, which is has an anchor attached to it, um, it may go up to, if there's a storm, it may go up and down on the waves, it may get a little bit battered, it may um, have some damage, but it's not going anywhere, is it? Because it's anchored firm. And you know, as we go through life, Different circumstances do affect us, even as Christians. We go through circumstances that come our way. We get a little bit battered and bruised. We Everything's a bit topsy-turvy. But, you know, if we've got an anchor this morning in Lord, uh, Jesus, he is our hope. We're going to be firm and secure in him this morning. You know, we've just gone past the Christmas period. It's 11 months till next Christmas. But we've just gone through the past uh, Christmas period. And even so, we make personal readings over the Christmas period and what we were hearing even from here um, when we were gathering together. So Christmas, I was overwhelmed with the 
the fact that it's a season of hope. You know, it's a season of so many things to each and every one of us. But it's a season of hope. It's a season that brings hope. You know, the very first Christmas when Jesus was born into this world, he is the hope of the world. He's the light of the world. He brought hope. You know, even think of the carol of um, Our Little Town of Bethlehem. It says, the hope and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And he wasn't talking about Bethlehem being a special place, that everything uh, was good because Bethlehem is a good place. It was the fact that was the place where Jesus came into the world. That was the place that he became known as the hope of the world. You know, even from the beginning of time, from Genesis all the way through to the New Testament, it's looking forward to the time that Jesus comes into the world as a baby born in a manger. From the beginning of time, there was a plan. There was a plan of salvation. We know just before he was born, as again we heard, there was 400 years where there was no, no message from God. God hadn't spoken to him in any situation. 400 years of darkness. But you know, we find when Jesus was born, there were people in the temple. There was a person called Anna. There was a person called Simeon. Even John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, who were faithfully ministering day by day in the temple, going about their God duties, even though God hadn't spoken during this period of darkness. They had hope that they would see the Messiah and God fulfilled his promise. And in the same way, God fulfills his promises to each and every one of us. So we can hope in God this morning. Hope brings joy. It brings peace and it brings purpose. Even in this year, we can hold on, on and swervingly together to our hope for he who promised is faithful. The last letters that I want to look at this morning is found in verse 24. And it says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good, good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Spurring one another on, let us spur one another on. A more modern translation would be let us, and some translations would say let us motivate one another, to motivate each other when we are together. It's a great opportunity where we can come alongside each other, together to motivate each other. You know, I was watching one of the breakfast um I think it was on the news actually this week and they were going back to the very first time that there was a morning um, news broadcast or a Good Morning Britain type of programme. And uh, they were going, giving little clips of, of the very first programme. And, you know, I rem- remember because um, I was young, young then, <laughs> every morning they'd have somebody um, promoting wellness and exercise and physical that we've had. She was called the Green Goddess. I think she was and started trying to get the, the nation motivated every morning. Not that it worked. To, to do exercise, to be healthy and fit, no, fit, fit. There was even somebody called Mr. Motivator. And his job was to, to motivate us in the mornings to get up and go. And you know, even during COVID in, in schools, those who were working in schools, there was a character in the name was called Joe Wicks. And because even children and families weren't able to go about and do the normal exercise, he would be motivating every morning, trying to get the children to, to do some physical exercise. And I'm sure we can think of people 
along those lines, or even if there's people who we know are uh, people who motivate. What is it? What are we to motivate? What what are we uh, motivate to what? What are we to be motivated to? Says in those verses, we to motivate to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. First of all, love. What are we supposed to be motivated to? Firstly, motivate our love for God. Be motivated in our love for God. He is our first love, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. Every part of our being, we need to love first and foremost God. And out of that, it's our love for one another. We love one another. We need to be motivated sometimes to love one another. And the writer also mentions good deeds, doing good, faith in action. You know, we should impact others around us, not only with our words, but with our lifestyle. In James 2, it says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Together, as a body of Christ, as a family here, we can put our faith into action. It says in those verses, let us consider how so let's think about how we can motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. You know, we know salvation is nothing about good works or good deeds, is it? I was, we were saved when we acknowledged who Jesus was and we asked him to come into our lives. We asked him to become saviour of our lives. We asked him to, to wash us of our sins and we wanted to follow him. We asked him to, for forgiveness. There was nothing about what we could do, what we could achieve, nothing on uh, good deeds or action. But you know, that faith we have in Jesus, the fruit of that is good deeds, is, is faith in action, isn't it? We want to make a difference. As God has made a difference in our lives, we want to do our best to bring people to Jesus so that he makes a difference in their uh, lives as well. So we're motivated to faith by faith in action. Verse 25, it says, we must, uh, but not giving up meeting together and how important it is. We value this time that we have together each week when we come together, encouraging one another. It's a time when we can encourage one another. You know, somebody we hear it, the, the Bible talks about rejoicing when those who rejoice, weeping when those who are weak. We can stand alongside each other and encourage one another. And it says all, all the more as we see the day approaching. Jesus is coming very soon. I talked about Jesus coming at Christmas and, and being the hope of the world. He's come, but we are looking forward to the day that he comes again, his second coming. He is our hope this morning. He is coming again. And all the more as we see the day approaching, the writers encouraging us, don't give up meeting together. You know, that is of value to each and every one of us that we remain together as a body, as a family. You know, we all love encouragement. We all love to be encouraged sometimes oh, when, when we often, when we do things. You know, there's a, um, a character in the Bible, his name was Barnabas, which meant son of encouragement. And he was one who greatly encouraged the church. Let's all just be Barnabas, Barnabas or Barnabai <laughs> this morning, that we are people known to encourage one another, to come alongside each other. Um, at all times, you know, the children in school where I am, they 
if they've done a good piece of work or they've achieved something, perhaps they've learned a new skill, they, they are, the teacher of the class will sometimes take them around different classes and they even make their way, way to the head teacher's office or to my office. And that child is given a sticker. So by the time they've gone around all the, the school, they covered, the whole jumpers are covered. And there's a very special one in the middle, which is a gold one, which is the head teacher's award, which you don't get very often. But you know, as you see that child, they may be very timid and they've done this brilliant piece of work. But by the end, they're strutting around with this piece of work in their hand. They're so pleased that they've been acknowledged for the good work they've done. They've been encouraged. And I can tell you that child will go back to the class and it motivates them to get on with the next piece of work because they think it's going to happen <laughs> on the next piece of work they do. But, you know, that's the same with us. You know, we encourage one another. We build each other up. We motivate one another. We honour one another. We value one another. So how would I sum up this morning? I said that the title I was putting on it was Together. Do you get the sense of what we can do together? We are a body. We've been brought together. We're a building. We're an army this morning. There's various things that the, the Bible describes the church of God as. All those things. But there's a togetherness in all those aspects. And if there's anything I'd say this morning, if in verse 19, uh, when we think about let us drawing near to God, we understand the privilege that we have as a church, that we can draw near to God this morning. We can come into his presence. The thing, other thing is that we've got the promise of God this morning, that we have hope this morning because of who he is and what he's done and what he can do and what he's going to do in our lives this morning. And as a church this morning, as I said, we it says, let us motivate us one another. Can we just have the last slide, Dave? Is that all right? It's a reminder to me more than... That's right. This morning we have a purpose as a church, as I said, motivating one another, encouraging one another, not just to build and pack each other up, for us to get on with the job that God wants us to do, to motivate us into action, to put our faith into action, to encourage one another, to keep on going when the times are difficult, when the struggles do come, not to give up, but to persevere, to keep on. We have a privilege, we have a promise. And we have a purpose as a church together this morning. And I'm sure, I pray that each one of us will take up our responsibility and be encouraged to meet together with one another as often as we can so we're in that place where God can come and minister to each and every one of us. Amen. Amen.